0: Welcome to Talks at GS, where leading thinkers share insights and ideas shaping the world. This session of Talks at GS was recorded before a live audience.
1: don't mean to steal your thunder, but I'm not used to hearing applause when I come to New York and we're playing the
0: Jets or the Giants. so thank you, it's a nice feeling. Uh, Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Greg Carey. I'm the chairman of uh, Public Sector and Infrastructure at Goldman, and I run our global sports finance business. And I have the great pleasure to be with my friend today, uh, Robert Kraft, who's chairman and CEO of the Kraft Group, but as you know him as the uh, owner of the New England Patriots, but there's a lot more to Robert, and uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun this afternoon. But five Super Bowl champions, he's on the team since 94, and the story itself is just is, uh, a very eclectic. But obviously you grew up in Brookline to a religious family. Um, of all the people that I've known, the entrepreneurial spirit that you have, and the vision that you've had in all of your endeavors, Could you talk a little bit about that path? You know, how do you come out of that environment to being where you are today?
1: Well, I had the greatest foundation. I had great parents. I grew up in Brookline, Massachusetts, which is right outside of Boston. Uh, I went to public school there. Um, I had two great parents, which is, that's winning the lottery. Being born in this country and then having good folks. I think are the most important things, and, and it's a real privilege. We had a great love in our family. It was rich in spirituality and love. Uh, we had modest financial means. Uh, I personally didn't have a car until I was 25, um, and I went to college and graduate school on scholarship, full scholarship. But I had a great foundation, and um, I knew, I saw the good that my family, my, both my parents, a blessed memory, uh, what they did with their limited means and how they impacted the community. And um, the only thing that I hear at night with my folks, the only arguments were about money with my mother being tough on my dad and who was just a great human being and at a young age, that sort of said to me that if I could find a way to be financially independent, you know, it, it really planted seeds with me to want to do that and not, uh, you know, they had such a great relationship, but it always seemed that money was an issue.
0: Tell us about a little bit about the craft Group and the family.
1: Um, we... I started a business in the early 70s. Um, I took over a paper mill up in Newfoundland, um, and which was was very risky. I I made a take or pay arrangement with them that I'd either sell their product or I'd buy it, 200,000 tons. And uh, I didn't have the net worth to do it, and thank goodness the internet wasn't what it, there was no internet, and um, their checking was not as good as it should have been. Um, But I got lucky, and, and within six months after I made that commitment and took over this mill, Nixon, President Nixon put in price freezes here, and I had the only new product going, from Canada. It could go anywhere in the world, an American Companies couldn't do that. So I had people from Korea and Iran, and it was legal in those days, and all over the world coming to me, London, and I was able to use that to leverage that into a situation where we built a company that today we're in over 100 countries in the world and we're the third largest exporter from North America. So that gave me a base uh, and started
0: generating capital where we could do other things. You know, when you bought the team, you promised to bring a championship. It was a big deal, again, longtime fan. Uh, used to sit with all your sons at the game and either you know, boil or freeze. But in the 34-year history of the, of the Patriots, when they started in 1960, they'd won three division titles. They'd had one home playoff game, which they lost.
1: Earl Campbell ran wild, I was at that game,
0: freezing my tush. Yeah. But in the 24 years since you've bought the team, you've won 17 division titles. You've had 25 home playoff games, which you've won 22 of. You've had 13, you've appeared in 13 AFC championships, you've won nine of them, and you've won five Super Bowl. What do you tell people in the audience? Like, when you're in a situation where you have vision, but you know what you've bought you've got to put it together talk a little bit about you know how you were making a statement like that what you felt you could do you know for us in our family of businesses it's
1: all about the culture and you know the kind of people it sounds simplistic but for me the key to life is hanging with good people and collecting good people and i get the turkeys out of my life um, but how, how do we hire people in the craft group? The most important thing to me is integrity, character, and loyalty. Those, that's the first qualities of hiring people. Number two is work ethic. Number three is brains, um, because in the end, life is about going through hard times and tough times. And most people crack or give up. Most people, I have a saying, I think, Using a football analogy, most people like to play between the 40-yard lines, where it's clean and neat, and not get in the red zone, where you get roughed up and knocked down. And, uh, and they're looking for leadership. And when you're in the red zone, or you're going through tough times, it's who you want in the foxhole with you. And having people who have character and loyalty. And you're, you know, I've had to build relationships globally. That's how we built our export company and what we do in all our companies is try to build relationships where people trust us through thick and thin and we never let the other side do a bad deal. I wasn't that way in the beginning. In the beginning, when I got out of business school, you know, I was always driving hard deals and then I realized that all the time invested in them trying to build a relationship. You know, if people, if you make sure the other side does well, they're coming back. And if you're in a global business, you know, they, word of mouth is so important. And that's how we've done that, to be honest. And, you know, we're privileged to have Brady and Belichick, and they've been with us, for 19 years, which is really unheard of, and so the way I believe in continuity in personal relationships, business relationships, um, I have a. You know, we're living in a business of free agency, and we have to sell very hard to keep our people with us. And just think, when you have a certain amount of success, and you have. Big egos, and how you get everyone to check them at the front door. That if you win, there's a lot of good feeling to go around. So I just say to all of you, don't don't sell your soul for a bowl of pottage. Don't don't hang with people who, in the end, are going to get you in trouble or aren't going to be there when the time is rough.
0: Could you talk a little bit? You mentioned, you know. Uh... You know, Belichick, you know, both Belichick and Brady were both, you brought them in 2000. Uh, Brady, you drafted in the sixth, sixth round. You uh, traded, you basically traded for Belichick to the, from the Jets, you know, uh, for a draft choice. You know, first round draft. Yes. You know, that's 18 years ago. The lifespan, the average football career is three years.
1: 19 years I'm ago. sorry.
0: I, I have trouble counting. I don't have enough toes. Who 19 seasons. All right. Uh, You're always correcting me.
1: I hope you have enough. (laughs) Uh,
0: How do you keep, and again, all that's talked about the press, the press this last summer is that you and Brady and Belichick aren't getting along, it's falling apart, and yet you're killing people again on the field, you know, and managing to keep, obviously every time people win, the egos get bigger, but you've had this amazing ability to bring these talented people in to work as a family, as a group. Again, everyone has the ups and downs, but you know Brady never wants to leave. It doesn't look like Belichick's leaving anytime soon either, because they love what they do.
1: It goes back to building relationships and not being transactional. Just transactional. Uh, you know, it takes someone like Belichick uh, today. I think people would feel. He's most accomplished person in the history of the NFL as a, as a coach. When I hired him, uh, his only previous head coaching job had been five years in Cleveland, where he won about 42% of his games. He had coached five years, and for the years he had a losing record. And when I hired him, and I, I actually gave the Jets a first round pick, to get him, um, because I had developed a simpatico with him, and I believed he had a unique understanding of the NFL. When I bought the team, we put in a there had been a salary cap, which meant every team plays with the same amount of dollars for their personnel. So it meant you needed managers that understood value and. I think Bill is brilliant at not just X's and O's, but he understands the value of a player under our system. And most of the traditional good coaches didn't. And so, any job, any it's the job of any person running something to under, making sure they understand what the key skill set is. But then having continuity is so important, especially in today's world, in our group of companies, but I believe anything, and it's also in a relationship. You know, there are always challenges in every relationship, whether personal or business, and I just have this thing. I never make a change unless I know I have something better to replace it with. And you also, and I have friends who don't operate that way. And especially in public companies, you know, where they have the 90 day report card. But continuity, and continuity means you're gonna go through rough times and rough patches. But being patient, if you got people of good character and integrity, it's worth it. Tom Brady, you know, you talk about him Think about this. When I when I bought the team in '94, I had a, a coach, Bill Parcells, and you know I was so excited to have him. But I tried to learn about football and get information. I was deep in debt, and uh, it was like football was like nuclear science. You know, you couldn't understand how they drafted or what they did. And then in 2000 we draft a guy 199 the last pick 199 picks tom brady and all these gurus from all the teams missed him through six rounds so it just told me that it wasn't nuclear science or an exact science it's it's you know instincts it's people understanding hot it's it's just a lot of factors that are true in life with everything and all, another thing I'll say to you that's worked for me: the best decisions I've made in my life are my instinct. They, they don't teach it at Harvard Business School, and just when something feels right to you, and even if other people can't understand it, and it feels the right thing for you, you go with it and leverage it and stay with it. And. Don't be afraid to take big risks, as long as your instinct is there. And then if you do, and it doesn't work out, keep coming back like the tide.
0: Now thinking about having fun, you know, what was the, what Super Bowl stands out uh, to you as the most, uh, the most special, and, and why?
1: Well, 01, you say 02, it was played February. Second, 02, but it was the 01 season. And all of you remember, unfortunately, 9 uh, 11 had happened um, right during the season, you know, after the first or second, I guess after the first week. And we postponed things. And for, uh, for 42 years, that was the second Super Bowl we went to. And when we were able to win that, and we weren't the best team. We weren't the best team in terms of the players we had, but we were the best team in terms of the connection. And doing that in the spirit of, not, you know, after what happened with 9/11, we're called the Patriots. We're red, white, and blue, and I think our team represented the resilience and mental toughness of people in the country and. And then living my dream and being able to win the championship, that was very special. But, you know, then in 2003 and 2004, we won back-to-back by three points. Those were special. And then you think it might never happen again, especially we lost a couple to a team here from New York right at the end. And, and they earned it, but it was still... Um, heartbreaking. And then in 14, we have a guy who's working at Popeyes, making $8 an hour, and he leaves the job and comes and joins us, and he makes a play at the end of the game, Malcolm Butler, to, you know, the Seattle's right on the goal line, and they throw a pass, he intercepts it, and you know, I, that was unbelievable. And then a year ago, um, with two minutes to go in the third quarter, we're losing to Atlanta by the score of 28 to 3. We had a point zero zero four percent chance of winning. 99.6% chance to lose. And we won. And what happened? You know that. So each one is—it's like children. You know, <laughs> keep having them. <laughs> I don't know. That's a long
0: one answer, but great. well, beyond you know winning on the field is the field itself, and one of the major accomplishments that you had as a franchise was the was the what is now called Gillette Stadium. When, How do you think it was transformation for your business, but also for the league? Well, first of all,
1: we thank this gentleman because we had to build it right during 9-11 when the markets froze. Um, And we had made a decision to uh, uh, build this stadium privately. And we were building it for Foxborough. And you can see I like the color blue. So I had bought Blue Steel and they, the Canadian company wanted to get paid $56 million and they made me sign a personal guarantee to do it, which I did. Um, because if I didn't do it, we would have lost a year and that in the building of the stadium and that would have been tough. And the good fortune happened that we wound up winning the Super Bowl, the first one, and this kind gentleman got us the financing, and we got out of it, but I'm proud to say we have the only privately, fully privately financed stadium, and the nice part about it is sport today, you know, I, there are two things that makes a sense of community. One is music, and the other is sports teams. And music is sort of ephemeral because you go, you hear, and then you leave. But in our stadium, people used to come two and a half hours before the game. We open up for a one o'clock game at eight. And they come and they stay afterwards for an hour and a half or two hours. And it's it really is a sense of friendship, community, and and we need more of that in this world. And um, and more connections. As busy as you all are, it's important that you take time to be with your friends, your family, and this is a good way to do it, where you escape from everything.
0: Great. Hey, I want to move to another uh, another sport that you're passionate about, which is soccer. You know, you uh, were one of the founders of Major League Soccer, which is now in its uh, 22nd season. If you, unless you're going to correct me again. I think it's 23rd. Yeah. <laughs> But you only
1: have 18 toes and fingers, so we, we, we forgive
0: you. You know, and you were there from the beginning with Phil Anschutz and the Hunts, um, you know, after the 94 World Cup, uh, but it, where MLS is, is growing and is doing a great right now, there were some dark times. There were 10 teams, now there's 24. Talk a little bit about the perseverance you had with your vision, you know, with MLS and soccer.
1: I've come to love the sport now. And I really believe in 10 years that that'll be the number two sport in America. And we're about, you folks hopefully will help us finance uh, a, a new stadium in, in the heart of Boston that we'll privately finance again. Uh, but it it's it's such a, for new Americans, um, it's It's an amazing sport, and it's the sport of the world, and I'm sure a lot of you have your children are playing it and are into it, and um, our commissioner, Don
0: Garber, is doing a great job. I'm very proud of him. The sport is growing, and it's really the run-up to the World Cup in 2026. Now, you're the chairman of the World Cup 2026 committee. You want to tell us a little bit about the World Cup bid?
1: I think... It's gonna be very exciting in eight years here and and do a lot for the sport of soccer. It'll help get more. See, we're unique as a country, is that young people who are talented here have so many sports that they can play. And the rest, most of the world, is basically just soccer. So we've never generated the kind of young people and the support to do it. And I think having MLS, I know, In our case, we just committed and broke ground on a $35 million development center for young people in the New England area just to train and grow and build. And and it's really exciting, and we're part of the world community now, and having the World Cup come back will
0: be special. Well, Robert, we have one more minute before the end. Um, Who in, in what person in history would you most have liked to have met or to meet? Of anyone? Of anyone.
1: I guess, if I had my chance, probably Gandhi, because in today's world especially, all of us need to build bridges and and, and uh, build bridges and bring people together. And I think he was a genuine,
0: respectful man of peace. And then... You wouldn't expect that one. No, you've, you always surprise me. Um, what what's the best advice you've ever been given?
1: Well, collect good people and stay with good people. And I guess my father left me an ethical will and the most meaningful thing he said, and I really try to lead my life that way, he said, when you go to bed at night, make sure the people you've touched that day are richer for having known you. And I... I try, I don't always succeed, but that's really what drives me. And he was the greatest man in my life, and a great a man of great spiritual and moral values. So, right.
0: well, you're a great friend and part of our family. On behalf of myself and Goldman Sachs and everyone on the, in the audience of listening, I, I can't thank you enough for coming today. Hey. It's a treat
1: to be here. Thank
0: you very much.
2: This podcast was recorded on November 7th, 2018. This podcast should not be copied, distributed, published, or reproduced in whole or in part or disclosed by any recipient to any other person. The information contained in this podcast does not constitute a recommendation from any Goldman Sachs entity to the recipient. Neither Goldman Sachs nor any of its affiliates makes any representation or warranty, express or implied, As to the accuracy or completeness of the statements or any information contained in this podcast and any liability, therefore, including in respect of direct, indirect, or consequential loss or damage, is expressly disclaimed. The views expressed in this podcast are not necessarily those of Goldman Sachs, and Goldman Sachs is not providing any financial, economic, legal, accounting, or tax advice or recommendations in this podcast. In addition, The receipt of this podcast by any recipient is not to be taken as constituting the giving of investment advice by Goldman Sachs to that recipient, nor to constitute such person a client of any Goldman Sachs entity.